Thanks very much. So good morning, everyone. How are you all doing today? We're all fine. No, that's good. Uh, I just want to thank, start with thanking Kevin and the leadership uh, team to really just give me this opportunity. Um, this is, a, again, a very special morning um, because, again, like Kevin was saying, this is the very first time I've ever done anything like this. So, uh, so thank you again for the opportunity. Um, also wanted to thank a lot of people here who have given me so much encouragement this morning. Um, I just got a little card from Audrey, um, just of encouragement. So those kind of things are really, really special. So, so thank you very much. So whenever Kevin had uh, messaged me, like he was saying, I was like, oh my goodness. Like, I couldn't believe it. Like, I dropped the phone, I think, whenever, uh, whenever I got this message. And like you know, my dad's a pastor. And, and I've always been used to being up on the stage and with my guitar. And so this is just very out of my comfort zone. Um, but like I said, whenever he asked me, would, would you preach? I was like, what on earth am I going to preach about? And I thought like, I just felt over the next couple of days, I was like, you know, what am I going to speak about? And I just felt God really reach into my heart and say, you know, Paul, if you were sitting in the congregation this morning, what would impact you? I mean, what would you want to hear? Um, so that's exactly uh, what I've got here. It's, I'm going to be speaking about, speaking about compassion. And uh, this, this word is for me, like, as much as it hopefully would be for you as well. So I'm just going to start off with just with a prayer. Lord, well, I thank you for just giving me this opportunity to speak to the church this morning. Well, I pray that this message will be challenging, that it will be impacting, and that it will encourage people here this morning. Lord, I pray, Lord, that it will touch people's lives and it will just soften our hearts. In your name I pray, amen. So, there's no, I'm going to read from John 7, verse 37, but you don't need to uh, turn to that because it's not the passage that I'll be reading on, but I'm just going to read it. It's, it says, Then on the most important day of the feast, the last day, Jesus stood and shouted out to the crowds, All you thirsty ones, come to me, come to me and drink. Believe in me so that rivers of living water will burst out from within you, flowing from your innermost being, just like the scripture says. Now I've titled this message, Rivers of Living Water, because it's something I want you to go away with today, to remember, if you forget everything that I've just said this morning, I want you to just to remember that, because it holds the key to this message that I'm going to be speaking this morning. So, if you could, can you all see Rivers of Living Water? On three, one, two, three, Rivers of Living Water. Great. So like I said, I'm going to speak about passion this morning. So we've got a, you know, passion is a word that's maybe overused. Um, what, what is passion? What, is, what does passion mean? Passion is an affection towards something or someone. It's what we are dedicated to. It's what enthuses us and excites us. It's what we're attached to. It's what we devote our time to. And it's a love. I'm just going to ask you to, if you could turn to Acts 9, verse 1 to 9. I'm going to be speaking out of the passion version. Hence, passion. Uh, I'm going to just give you a bit of an introduction. Let's get a drink of water. This passage is about a guy called Saul. Most of us here know him as the Apostle Paul. He's probably arguably the most passionate, most influential person in the Bible to ever preach the Word of God, other than Jesus himself, of course, because you know, he is the Word. But before Jesus, or before Saul was a follower of Jesus, 
Um, he'd grown up to be a well-educated Jewish man who was on his way to becoming a teacher of Jewish law. And he was highly respected uh, among his people. And being of Jewish faith, he didn't believe that Jesus had been the long-awaited Messiah. He considered Jesus' followers as being deceitful. So after Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection, his mission was to wipe out this new Christian church. So let's read together from Acts 9, verse 1 to 9. During those days, Saul, full of angry threats and rage, wanted to murder the disciples of the Lord Jesus. So he went to ask uh, permission of the high priest um, and request a letter of authorization that he could take to the Jewish leaders in Damascus, requesting their cooperation in finding and arresting anyone uh, who were followers of the way, and that's you know the Christian, the new Christian church. Saul wanted to capture all of the believers he found, both men and women, and drag them as prisoners back to Jerusalem. So he obtained authorization and left for Damascus. Just outside the city, a brilliant light flashing from heaven suddenly exploded all around him. Falling to the ground, he heard a booming voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? The men accompanying Saul were stunned and speechless, for they had heard a heavenly voice but could see no one. Saul replied, Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus the Victorious, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and, get in, and go into the city, where you will be told what you are to do. Saul stood to his feet, and even though his eyes were open, he could see nothing, for he was blind. So the men had took him by the hand and led him into Damascus. And for three days... He didn't eat or drink and couldn't see a thing. And we'll continue the passage on a little bit later. So I just want to focus on uh, Saul's encounter. Can you imagine the scare he must have gotten? Just the fact that he was probably on his way to Damascus with his, with his letter of authorization, with his people, probably maybe discussing to each other what they were going to say and how they were going to build this case, because after all, they were going to execute these disciples. And then all of a sudden, a light exploded all around them. You mean, you can feel you know, the weight. He probably felt the weight of the Lord's presence upon him as he heard you know, him say, you know, why are you persecuting me? So you can imagine what that must have been like. You mean, he was blinded. So it's just, I believe it was that encounter that was the spark that ignited a passion within him for Jesus. We all have passions, don't we? I have a passion for music. Um, some of us here are creative. Some of us love our pets a little bit too much, maybe. Some people are passionate about passing on knowledge and skill to others. Um, we have a few passionate football fans around here, don't we? Not going to mention any teams. Um, and we also have a few hardcore golfers. When I first moved up here, and uh, ah, you're right in saying it was about 11 years I moved up here, this year in fact, and Anna was kind enough to uh, buy me a, a starter a set of golf clubs. I always, always uh, fancied kind of, kind of starting the sport. And uh, just imagine going out on a summer's day and uh, you know, the wind blowing through my hair and <laughs> whatever hair I do have left. <laughs> but uh, I can just imagine just how amazing it would be um, to go out and uh, just really enjoy a good day's worth of golf. But I soon learned that golf's a funny sport for a beginner can uh, fill you with every emotion I think possible. I think the first one is frustration. Um, I remember, oh my goodness, it took me a, a couple of days to even hit the ball, I think. 
Um, so it was just, I thought it was really difficult. And I was, I was coming to that point of thinking, oh my goodness, Anna's got me these set of golf clubs and I can't even hit the ball. And I was like, oh my goodness. I was close to, close to calling it quits. But I think one day, I think I'd teed up and uh, I think out of rage, I think, I must have hit so sweetly right down the middle. And uh, it, was that, it was that connection, I thought, wow, this is amazing. You mean, it didn't matter that I just hit 50 balls left, right, anywhere but center, but that was the thing. I was just so, I was like, wow, this is an amazing feeling, the flight of the ball and everything. And it was that, I think, that was the spark um, to my passion for, for golf. I'd started... YouTube and uh, you know how to improve your swing and what balls to buy. You mean all these kind of things, and um, I was really, really enjoying it. Summers are really good time for golf, but as we know, winter isn't so good. Um, I'd found that obviously the nights get darker, um, it gets a bit windier, um, so it's not the best uh, time to be playing golf. So gradually but surely. I stopped playing. And to be so engrossed in this sport, to then be not, you know, not going out to play, not YouTubing the videos, I just, it just stopped. So you can kind of see, I think, where I'm going with this. You know, I'd lost my passion for the golf. I want to ask you this question. Have you lost your enthusiasm for Jesus? Have you lost your excitement for Jesus? Have you lost your commitment for Jesus? have you lost your passion for Jesus? In Saul's case, you know, he hadn't a passion for Jesus to begin with. I don't know where you are in your life, whether you're like Saul and have never experienced what it's like to have a passion for him. Or maybe you once had and have lost it somehow. Look, maybe you're in a summer season and you're full of passion. But if you're not, if you feel like you're just not getting excited for Jesus like you used to, or even maybe in life in general. Well, I hope this message is for you. Firstly, we need to ask ourselves why. You know, what has caused us to lose our passion? As much as we want to avoid that question, we need to tell ourselves, or ask ourselves, um, sorry, as much as we want to avoid it, we want to tell ourselves that we are passionate, when maybe we aren't. We need to be honest with ourselves. We need to approach the reason why so we can move forward and get excited about him and to receive the amazing things that he has for us and to read the things from the word that he has for us to experience God's fullness in our lives. Look, sometimes it's the things that life throws at us. They're out of our control that cause us to lose our passion. You know, we touched a wee bit on the pandemic just there, but it was just a really strange time for the church globally. Um, now, I wasn't involved really at the very beginnings of it because we just had Joseph and, and uh, I wasn't really involved in the setting up. But I can imagine it was just a headache. You mean, how are we going to do this? How are we going to, uh, what are we going to use? What equipment do we have? Um, and imagine once though, whenever you know, Nathan and Kevin and all, all the folk who were involved got their heads around how they were going to do this. I can imagine there was a bit of excitement about it. Because after all, this was their opportunity to reach out to unchurched people. It's the first time that unchurched people are going to see what we do as a church. Um, what worship is like. You know, maybe there's folk out there that have never seen what worship was. And ultimately, also to see that we're not a boring bunch of people. So it's a, 
But as we know, pan the pandemic kind of lasted long, or the, sorry, the lockdowns lasted longer. And one lockdown became two lockdowns. So what started to happen is whenever everything started opening up again, we just thought we're going to get out in every single opportunity that we've got. Like we've got to remember this was the time that we were living whenever going to Tesco was like a day trip. You I mean, it's, it was that kind of, it was, it was crazy. But then when churches eventually opened up, you know, the numbers had dropped. Now, I mean this collectively. I'm not saying just, you know, the numbers in this church, but churches all around the globe, you know, the numbers had dropped. And I understand that we still needed to be careful and there was a lot of people shielding. But maybe you'd gotten into a routine. Maybe, maybe that Sunday morning was a time where, oh, I've gotten so used to cleaning the house on a Sunday morning and this is kind of what I do. I can easily watch the service online. Um, I don't really need to go. You know, this is the time where I get my Tesco shop all done. What well, point is we're making is, what I'm making is we maybe got a wee bit comfortable. We kind of forgot maybe the importance of what it was to worship together, the need to encourage each other and hear God's word away from distractions of the house. And I know this is just a building, but it's still God's house. But look, I'm not judging anyone here. You I mean, I'm not judging anyone. I'm just using this as a, an example of how, you know, things that are totally out of our control can lose the passion within us. Just like the golf, just like, uh, you know, it wasn't my fault. I didn't take a dislike for the sport. It was the season um, that caused me to lose my passion for Jesus. The other thing, unfortunately, in some cases, you know, the problem does lie with us. It can be the bad choices that we make that can carry us further from God. You know, maybe it's a sin in your life that brings a constant feeling of guilt. You know, we can start beating ourselves up and then begin to think, you know, what is the point of doing this Christianity thing? You mean I can never live up to God's standard? We think God's not going to listen to us, so we'll walk further away. Rather than that, in that time, just running into his arms in that desperate time of need. Just like when Peter lost his faith when he stepped off the boat, God is constantly reaching his hand out to you. Now, this is the illustration bit. I love a good visual illustration. Sometimes uh, when we come to speak about topics like, big topics like this, um, it's, I kind of get my head around it a wee bit easier, and maybe you guys are the same, but uh, I'm going to, is this mic working? Hello? One, two. It says, uh, sorry, I'll use this. It says in the, the scriptures that we're a vessel. Is this okay? Is this getting me okay? Aye. It says we're a vessel. And when we come to know the Lord Jesus um, for the first time, it's, a, it's an amazing feeling. Um, you're filled new. You're a, he fills us with his spirit. Come a new creation in him. That's just an amazing feeling. Now, the thing is, when we become a Christian, our circumstances haven't changed. The, uh, the baggage that we deal with, our circumstances, the tendencies to sin, all those things are still there, even though that we've accepted Jesus into our life. So what starts to happen is, 
sin starts to creep back in. So we kind of start to deal with things like uh, bitterness. So some uh, lemon juice. Scholar. Or maybe, maybe you're self-righteous. Maybe things like, uh, maybe you want people to think that you've got it all together, but you don't. Um, you look like water, but you're vinegar. You stink. Uh, maybe, maybe you kind of act out in anger. Maybe anger's your thing. Hot sauce. You're really, really angry. Maybe this is, this is a different one, sorry. This is the first time a beer's been open the stage. <laughs> if I can open it. Look, this is, this is just, uh, I think, just to, to represent all the things that keep us back, all the, the addictions, the, the alcohol abuse, the drugs, pornography, all the things that keep us from God's best. And then we've got the darker stuff like the adultery, the hate that we have in our hearts for other people, the unforgiveness. And there we are. We're ready to go out into the world and reach people for Jesus. <laughs> We're excited. <laughs> We're spirit-filled. That's go crazy. <laughs> I mean, you mean, that's what happens. That's what we begin to look like when we don't hand everything over to Jesus. When we don't uh, believe that, you know, that Jesus is the only one that's capable of dealing with our sin. We don't wake up every morning thinking, God, give me the, the proper perspective in life. You mean, um, help me deal with my bitterness. Help me deal with my anger. Help me deal with my dullest problems. Um, that's what we begin to look like. So how do we get back? How do we, how do we get passionate again? Exactly the same way as we came to faith to begin with. Eyes through faith. Let's just stay, I'm going to continue to read um, on that passage. Acts 9 verse 10. Living in Damascus was a believer named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision, calling his name Ananias. Yes, Lord, Ananias answered. The Lord said, go at once to the street called Abundance and look for a man from Tarsus named Saul. You will find him at Judah's house. While he was praying, he saw in a supernatural vision a man named Ananias coming to lay hands upon him to restore his sight. But Lord, Ananias replied, Many have told me about his terrible persecution of those in Jerusalem who are devoted to you. In fact, the high priest has authorized him to seize and imprison all those in Damascus who call on your name. The Lord Yahweh answered him, Arise and go. I've chosen this man to be a special messenger. He'll be brought before kings, before many nations, and before the Jewish people to give them the revelation of who I am. And I will show him how much he is destined to suffer because of his passion for me. So Ananias left and found his house where Saul was staying. He went inside and laid hands on him, saying, Saul, my brother, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you in the road 
I simply pray for you that you might see again and be filled to overflowing with the Holy Spirit. All at once, the crusty substance that was over Saul's eyes disappeared and he could see perfectly. Immediately, he got up and was baptized. And after eating a meal, he returned, his strength returned. So I asked you just now, how do we get our passion back? How do we be filled again with the Holy Spirit? How do we experience the fullness of God in our lives? And that's, what I, and that's what I said. By how we came to faith in the first place. We need to pray every morning to fill us with rivers of living water. Every morning we need to, every morning, just fill me afresh with your waters, of, rivers of living water. It says in Ephesians that Paul instructs be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't stop being filled with the Holy Spirit. He says, be being filled with the Holy Spirit. Ananias had prayed for him, and he also said, you mean, be healed and be overflowing with the Holy Spirit. Exactly what you're saying just now. So that whenever people come into contact with us, this is what we start to look like. They experience the Holy Spirit in our lives and they say, something is different about them. I know what it is, but something is totally different about them, and I want what they have. And sometimes God will bring an opportunity your way, and it'll look something like this. I mean, and that's when we've experienced the fullness of God in our lives. This good. I thought I had vinegar still in it, but it didn't. That's what it looks like to be filled with the Spirit. We need to pray for opportunity as well. Sorry. God can uh, radically change our hearts. We all know that God has the power to change our hearts. Saul became known as the Apostle Paul. He wanted to do nothing. I knew he didn't want to know anything about Jesus. It wasn't that he didn't believe in Jesus, he just was totally against everything that Jesus and his followers had said. And like we read, we, we, he asked for permission to have disciples killed. So that was the lengths he was willing to go to to make sure that the message of Jesus would no longer be taught. But God radically changed his heart. However, it was up to Paul, though, to be that influential person that we know him to be and to go out and preach the word of God to the masses. God can do the radically change of our hearts. Let's continue the passage on from verse 20. So within the hour, he was in the synagogues preaching about Jesus and proclaiming Jesus is the Son of God. Those who heard him were astonished, saying among themselves, isn't this the soul who was furiously persecuted? Uh, sorry, furiously persecuted those in Jerusalem who called on the name of Jesus. Didn't he come here with permission from the high priest to drag them off and take them off as prisoners. Saul's power increased greatly as he became more and more proficient in proving that Jesus was the anointed Messiah. Saul remained there for several days with the disciples, even though it agitated the Jews of Damascus. So like I said, God can do the radically changing of our hearts. The thing is, we just can't expect God just to lay everything on our laps. It's not about praying about it's not just about praying. 
but it's about being proactive as well. I heard this great, this great quote, and I just, it really sums up what I'm trying to say. I've tweaked it slightly, and it is this. If someone prays for patience, do you think God gives them patience? Or does he give them the opportunity to be patient? If they pray for courage, does God give them courage? Or does he give them the opportunities to be courageous? If a couple prayed for their broken marriage to be restored, do you think God erases their memories of all their issues? Or does he give them the opportunities to build trust and to love each other again? We need to pray for opportunity. And if it's in God's plan for us, he will give us the opportunity. The thing is, it requires us to grab onto them. Some of those opportunities will challenge and test us. Paul probably knew that the road ahead of him wasn't going to be easy, but, it took, but he took hold of the opportunity and he ran with it. Why did he do that? You know, why did he choose Paul? He could have chose anybody. You mean, if Paul wasn't going to do it, he would have chosen someone else that would have. But if we were to give Paul a wee bit of credit, he used him because he's seen his passion. So if you were to pray, you know, God, give me a passion for you, is he going to rain down a love and a passion for him within you? Or is he going to give you the opportunity to know who he really is through his word, through prayer, so it would ignite a fire within you so that in everything that you do, you do it for his glory? Look, I'm just going to wrap this up. We need to bring our minds back to the encounter we had with Jesus. So it would ignite a fire in our hearts. It could have been whenever you first got saved, maybe, or maybe it was a time where you were struggling um, and God just really intervened in your life and that was the moment that you knew that you wanted to follow him. Pray that it would ignite that fire again within you so that you would experience the fullness that God has for you. And if you haven't experienced it yet, you ask for his encounter. We need to pray every morning for rivers of living water. So that's the key. That's what I want you to go away with today. Whenever you're struggling, just fill yourself fresh every morning. That he would fill you to overflow. That people would see you and be like, there is something different about them. I want what they have. Well, that we would grab hold of every opportunity God gives us. You know, how amazing would it be that we were so passionate that we couldn't help but tell people what he's done in our lives and what he could do in theirs. That people would see the overflow within us. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you hope and a future. What's so exciting as we know is God has got so many plans and so many opportunities for us, but we need to grab onto them. God's plan for Paul was that he could spread the gospel and expand the church. And that's exactly what he's asked us to do as well. So thank you again for listening. Um, I hope you've been encouraged um, and challenged this morning. Um, but I'm just going to hand it back over to Kevin. Yeah.